Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Christine Bergsma. Christine is an author and a keynote speaker, and she has a digital journaling platform that is absolutely fascinating, that is built on basically the lessons from her story and what she has lived through. She shares with us why journaling is so important and what it has helped her to work through. And she talks a lot about mental health, mental illness, and complex and post-traumatic stress disorder and how she lived through some very, very difficult personal times and what she did to move through that personally. And now how she's paying it forward with an incredible business and platform to help people work through a lot of personal stories, as well as even there's a journaling platform where she deals with breast cancer. There's one for pregnancy support. There's just so many different things that she has created that are backed by science and research and really collaboration with some other healthcare professionals. So it is a beautiful platform that she has created. And I'm so proud of her and I'm so grateful that our paths connected. So yes, it is a serious topic. You will hear us on this podcast having an absolute just laughing. We couldn't stop laughing many times. It was a great, great podcast. And here's the thing. When you put yourself out there, you will meet some of the most incredible people in your life. And this is one of those episodes. I know you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the show today, Christine. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you. I, You and I connected. We were trying to figure out, was this about a month ago when you ran your your show. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I love how you just dove in and you were interviewing people and you were doing all kinds of stuff. I just loved it. We'll come back to that. But we connected through your show, through social media, through another podcast. And this is the power of podcasting and social media, how many people cross paths. So I love how we've connected and how you were here today for this show. So I have a few questions that I want to ask you first, and it's going to allow the listeners to get to know you. And then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So where are you from? I was born in South Africa, Pretoria, South Africa. And then when I was 21, we immigrated to Canada. And for a short period of time, I also lived in Namibia. In where? In uh, Namibia. It is, yeah, um, it's another country. It's mm-hmm. sort of to the north. My geography is fantastic. It's above <laughs> South Africa. <laughs> it's at the ocean. It's a, there's the Namib Desert. Okay. Desert. Yeah. So I lived in the desert for about three years. <laughs> okay, just just throwing that in conversation. I just lived in the desert. That's we don't see a lot. And then you're in Kitchener. 
And now I'm in Kitchener. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How long have you been here? Sorry. You said you came here. Oh, no worries. I'll age myself. It's fine. Uh, 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> this is off to a good start. I love it. Okay. So talk to me about books and reading. I'm You and I are having this interview and I can see an entire bookshelf right behind you. So I'm assuming you are a reader. I absolutely adore books. It is. And it's strange though, because when I was little, I used to write, 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 write everything. And then there was a period in my life where I didn't. I'm not sure why. Perhaps, you know, I felt like if people were to read it, it would be too personal. Like when you work through stuff, you really need that security. But I always loved reading. I remember lying on the beach because that's nice. You can do in Africa. You can lie on the beach. Yes, (laughs) keep going. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I long for that too, but they just reading stories, and I always had a fascination for nonfiction, which is a little, you know, offbeat. Not so much the romantic stories, none of that. Very much either historical or scientific, and definitely the psychological books, the books, the books about the mind and the science of the mind. So this is interesting. Then is this something that is that. Like how long were those the kind of books that you loved? Is that as far back as you can remember the kinds of books that you love? How interesting is that in your story? Now that I'm just, I'm putting two and two together. We're going to get back to this. So do you have the most, like the most impactful book or something that made a difference in your life? The one that I read most recently is Einstein's Dream. That is one that is just, it's so incredible because it's, a narrative, but it marries those concepts of of space, of eternity, of how we perceive things, of parallel universes, but it brings it down to a very tangible way in which, you know, you can just understand. You don't have to be an astrophysicist to understand what he was trying to convey. So that one was really one of my most recent ones that I read. Wonderful. I do not know that. And I definitely would love to look. I love all the different genres. And I used to just love walking through um, chapters, which we're still in the middle of COVID as we record this. So that's like, we haven't done that in 10 weeks or so, but I would just love walking through different sections. I would walk through different sections and look at different books. I just loved books. Um, Do you have a favorite quote? Hmm. Do I have? I have so many favorite quotes, <laughs> but but one that really resonated with me is um, because loss and grief has also been a really big part of me growing up. My mom did her PhD in um, based on the Gestalt theory on how children perceive death. So it was a very brand new type thing. And I think one of the Kubler-Ross quotes would have to be my favorite to say that after such an impact, after a loss, you will never be the same, but nor do you want to be. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That is really, that's a really powerful quote. And isn't that interesting for our pre- recording conversation we were talking about COVID and for some people saying we're just going to be right back to normal I'm like no we're not we're we're different every day we're literally different every day so I'm not even the same as yesterday let alone 10 weeks ago I'm just physically I'm not it's and emotionally I'm not it's all of those things so that's fascinating I love that do you have a mentor and it can be somebody that you know or don't know but somebody who's made impact in your life 
Oh, definitely my mom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. We're like, <laughs> like tight. I know on a podcast, you can't see my fingers crossed, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're tight. We're she tight. Here too? Uh, she's in Montreal. In Montreal. Okay. So she's in Montreal. So you still stay in contact obviously with, and even with technology right now, that's so, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, her passion for learning, for educating herself, for just rising above circumstances that she can write novels on, (laughs) that she was able to, you know, really in a very sensitive, kind and feministic way, move herself out of those circumstances where others would have perceived that as a weakness. She used it to her benefit and to her strength. So I think that, you know, just seeing that in real life you cannot be the same after seeing that, right? No, no, that's beautiful. Um, what lights you up? Can I ask you? What lights you up? Sure, food. <laughs> food. I'm a huge, food. I love food. <laughs> okay, do you like to cook food or do you like to go out for food or what do you, do you like to cook? Yeah, actually, um, when I was in high school, I, I'm a trained chef. So I went to a, a, a private school mm-hmm. that you could decide what art you wanted to do. So I was thinking music and then maybe art and maybe drama. And then I was like, you know what? A practical skill is probably food. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> wow. A trained chef. I could use one of those. I can actually use one of those for sure. Seriously, I don't mind cooking, but I'm so basic in our cooking because we, I can't even tell you, like he doesn't listen anyways, but my husband's a CrossFit athlete, like a master's athlete. The amount of food we go through is insane. It's insane. And then my oldest son is here. And so I, I cook very basic, but there's sometimes I just want to try something different. And so, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to take more cooking classes and learn. So isn't this awesome? Okay. We're back on track. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we can talk. We can talk about food a lot. Trust me. We can talk about food. We can talk about food. So you have quite a story. And I just, I think that I was just getting some information before we even started to understand the difference between post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress and what you do for others. And because of what you've learned through your lessons and what works through for you, I would love for you to dive into any part of your story that you would like to start with sharing. And then we can just go from there so we can get to know you a little bit more. Perfect. Thank you, Marsha. And maybe before we start, um, I'm because uh, I went to a psychiatrist or psychologist, and now I'm also dealing with a psychiatrist. And her and I are sort of collaborating to help people in trauma. And what we've heard on the ground levels is that in this COVID, people are saying post-traumatic stress disorder is going to be a thing. So she actually said it's not the same. It's not the same. So there's complex post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and trauma symptoms. So most people will actually just after this COVID have trauma symptoms. So in order to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, you have to have been in a situation or situations where you thought you were going to die or somebody close to you we're going to die. It had to have been that specific in order to have that actual psychological diagnosis. Complex disorder or PTSD, complex PTSD adds another layer to that where say, for example, you are in a 
in a setting that is not your choosing, where you are constantly in that level of stress, where you are think you are going to die with real action, whether it's perceived or not, but it's, it's real. It's, you know, there has to be, you know, violence, a sense of violence, crime, warfare. It has to be that where you cannot escape. So, well, that definition, just from my own understanding, I was watching a stat the other day and I don't have the stat right. I just was blown away by it. The number of females who have died in the month of April based on um, assault within their homes and violence within their homes, because they're talking about COVID and people not leaving and how difficult this is. So for somebody who lived in that environment, that would be very much considered a complex post-traumatic stress because they're in it. like they're living in it. Okay. Right. 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 Whereas if you still have a good house, everything is safe, but you're dealing with traumatic events as in you can't go out, you're kind of afraid of the germs. That is a different set of emotions and symptoms that you will deal with. Everything is better to deal with, you know, at the time. So don't wait until COVID's over before you seek help for any of these. But post-traumatic definitely would be violence, domestic violence, because it would have to be life or death. That is the requirement for PTSD. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for explaining that because I really didn't know. And I have come across that. It can be a different episode, but I've come across that myself personally, just in dealing with some of the issues we've dealt with in our own home. And I know a counselor once said, no, that's PTSD. And I'm like, is it? I have no idea. I was just so just really understanding even if it's not labeled, but how our body responds to some of these stressors and how real that is, right? And how real that is, whatever label, whatever we end up calling it. But it's just understanding that the stressors that are there that we come through and what that does, what that can do to us physically by being in that state. Absolutely. And I don't think people realize that they might be in that state now. So if you have trauma symptoms, you're not always going to be as aware of it unless you make a conscious effort to become aware of it Mm -hmm. and then to deal with it now, because it will be way harder if everything goes, you know, we go back to school, we go back to work, but you're still dealing with some of these traumas that you dealt with while in COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. And we'll bounce back and forth on my story. I'm sure. It's all good. It all works out in the end. It all, it's all good. But that's what my psych- psychologist said too. She said, you know, um, your mind, if you have complex stress disorder, cannot start dealing with it if you're still in that environment. So you have to physically be removed from your environment before you can deal with it. Right? That makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. So if you are in that situation, the only way you can even start to put the tools learning in place to deal with it is to not be in it. Right. 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 And I think that is something that people don't realize now, where if you have a safe environment, but you're dealing with trauma or trauma symptoms, you can start working on it now because it's not like you're in a war zone. It's not like you're technically somewhere where, you know, PTSD, you have to be removed from before you can deal with it. So that's kind of empowering in a certain sense to say, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling fear, if you have these trauma symptoms, you might be able to deal with it now so that, you know, you can be okay 
mm-hmm. being stronger, being taking responsibility for what you're feeling now. Right. And it's not, it's, there's no blame. There's no judgment. There's no nothing with any of these conversations, none at all, but it all comes down to, and it all comes down to like awareness, like where, what are, what is, what are some of those triggers? What does it feel like? What are we going through? Because as soon as we have awareness, we can do something with it by avoiding it. We we're just, we're not addressing and we're ignoring and that doesn't, we all know that's not a solution. Exactly. And, and to your point, so when I um, came to Canada, I started having these insane dreams and it was so vivid that I would go to bed because I love sleeping too. And then I would wake up and it would sound like I'm being murdered. And it <laughs> woke up the whole house. And luckily we lived Your like screams in the wind. sounded like that. Pardon? Okay. Your screams sounded like that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had a recording, I'd have the perfect horror movie because it was very real. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So that is when my mind, when my physical environment was starting to be more safe, my mind was starting to say, okay, now you got to deal with this stuff because if, you know, you can, because Canada is safe. So you can really start moving these pieces around, get your mental health a little better. So then I thought, and then I moved out and then I lived with my now husband and (laughs) The, the neighbors called the police once because we were in like a town home because they thought that he was doing something to me, but I was sleeping. So oh my it was so bad that the neighbors called the cops and they're like, is everything okay? And I was like, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I promise like nothing is going on. You know, it's uh-huh. I'm working through some stuff and they're like, okay, but they still wrote my name down. They still made sure that, you know, they keep tabs on it. So then I was like, I got to do something about this because this is not a good way to live. I thought I was going to go crazy. Like, yeah, no, right. Yeah, no, it just, it just showed that you physically move yourself out of that stressful environment. And I love, I'm sorry that you're going, that you went through that, but I love how you're painting that picture that, that what the body is still going through even though you're not anywhere near the stressors that were causing it is it's it's wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that picture. Would you feel comfortable sharing what some of those things were that caused the triggers? Of course, of course. So, um, I'll just start with this. So I I then decided, you know, I need to seek professional help because sometimes we think, oh, I got this or whatever. And I'm like, I I ain't got this. This is not happening. (laughs) I know when my limits are and where my boundaries are. So I went to see five different psychologists. And unfortunately, most of them were more interested in my African stories than helping me out. So I found this spectacular lady. I will not, you know, throw a name out there because I know she's really busy, but she is just the, the the most amazing psychologist. So I told her my story. I said I was driving home from university and I studied law. So I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. And on the way back, one day just before the final exams, um, my grandpa actually gave me a car. And sorry, I'll back up just a tiny bit. No, so every no. time I park my car, 
I have to pay somebody so that it doesn't get stolen, right? So you're in the, in this constant environment of oh, nothing is fun. ever safe. Wow. <laughs> I stop. It was like four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and I just hear this banging sound. So there was a person with a spark plug that bashed out my window and stole my bag with all my books and or everything I owned, but it was mainly just notes because it was the final exams. So that was stressful. So I drove to the police station and they said, you know, oh yeah, yeah, we'll write down your stuff. We'll change your credit cards. Just be glad you're not like raped or murdered. It could be oh. worse. I'm like, oh, that's that's great. Thank you. So that was the the last inciting incident. Previous to that, my uncle was murdered in his own home. And you know, I don't want to like throw all these like nightmare type things out to people, but my mom worked in the townships one year for her birthday. We gave her a little, you know, self-defense revolver. I'm like, who does that? Who gives that as a Mother's Day gift? Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day gift. Here you go. So in terms of the big situation, because my family was also part of the police force. So we knew how to do self-defense. We had to do self-defense training. Our houses were very, you know, barred up. And so for me personally, you know, it's, it just was not a great situation where you're always stressing about your mom, your two brothers, right? Yourself. All I'm trying to do is just pass university and in a split second, all of your privacy, all of your control. Mm-hmm. And yes, and that makes you think the police officer, you're like, so then when I got home, cause I just drove myself home. Honestly, I don't even know how I found the police station, but I did <laughs> by myself. <laughs> so wow. then clearly they saw that the car was very damaged and yes. I was like, you know, what's going to happen? The next thing's going to happen. I'm going to be at the you know, at the side of the road, ending up in a ditch, because that's just the logical next step. <laughs> and then we we immigrated to Canada 18 months later. But yep. so that so was it wasn't long after that that you did immigrate here. Right. Right. It take it took about 18 months. So that was the last and final, you know, big incident. There was all these little ones leading up to it, but that was the final one where we were like, you know what? <laughs> we gotta find right. a better yeah, place for for us to live, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Now that must be. I just, I think that's just, for everybody who's listening. Majority of people listening. That's a mind blowing story that we can't relate to. Like, and I think, in all fairness, like I'm sure I watched it on TV, not seen it in person, and been and experienced that. So you go through um, the process of moving and coming here, immigrating, and now you're here wanting to deal with the stress, the post-traumatic stress, the, of, of what you have come through, how long does that process, first off, can I just add one thing there that I want to say? I, I thank you for saying you saw five different therapists and five different, because a lot of people will say that it just didn't work. I tried it and it just didn't work. And when you want to create that change, sometimes it can take multiple people until you find the right person to help you through that. And they are trained professionals. That's what they do. Absolutely. And that's not to say that they, the ones that I tried wouldn't be good for someone else. It just didn't work for me. The same way that people still live in Africa. You can live there. It's, I'm not judging any situation or anybody's choices, but I'm saying I took responsibility and I decided this is not working for me. And that's why I left. Mm -hmm. So then you get, you, you go through the process and do the work. What is it like to work through that level of 
really complex post-traumatic stress. What kinds of things did you have to do on a regular basis? I mean, yes, you have your sessions, obviously, but what kinds of things did you have to do on a regular basis in order to work through that? I'm just curious if you don't mind sharing. No, I told you I'm an open book. You can ask I, me. I know you just did <laughs> so um, a very important first step for me was to understand that it wasn't my fault. Mm. which is something that happens so frequently when you're a victim of a crime, you think it's you, you could have done something differently. You shouldn't have been there. I should have put my bag in the back. Should have, should have, could have, did it. Right? So that was, that was a hard mental thing to go through mm-hmm. to say, you know, you, you did what you had to do in the moment and no amount of guilt is going to change the past anyway. <laughs> and it's easier said than done if you're past it, but, but working through it, like guilt was my biggest thing that I had to, to work through. And um, that is what the, the psychologist told me as well. She's like, are you going to blame a rape victim? I'm like, no, of course not. I'm like, so she's so why are you blaming yourself? Like, right. <laughs> Right. It's actually, that's so true. There's so many things when we really stop and put it back towards ourselves. Like if, um, I know a therapist said to me once, like, what would you tell your best friend or your closest friend if they came to you with this? I would say, well, it's not their fault. And they're like, well, so why is it your fault? It's not, it's, it's just, we don't see it that way. We judge ourselves in a very different light. And I, self-judgment is another whole piece that we do. We tend to judge ourselves more than what anyone else ever does. So that's why we carry the guilt because we think that we should have known better or we should have done better or we should, whatever, a whole bunch of shit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And I think that's a, a valid distinction then too for people dealing with trauma and especially if they've been diagnosed with PTSD or complex PTSD is to know that it's, it's still classified under the, um, DSM, where are we now? Five, six mm-hmm. as a mental disorder, technically, right? Yes. But it is something that happened to you. And this is just how your body reacted. So you have to take ownership of that as well to say that this happened to me, right? Yeah. So it was, it, and I think people, you know, if they have trauma symptoms after this COVID too, COVID happened to us, mm-hmm. like, we have to put that in perspective. And I know you and I spoke about perspective on our show, right? We did. Yes, we did. So I think that that was a big one for me to put things in perspective and just to write it all down, get it out, get it out. Because it was clearly trying to come out in my dreams and, you know, like <laughs> making everybody around me feel frantic. And I'm oh, sure it, it was trying to come out. Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, can we make you chamomile before you go to bed? Please don't just go to bed <laughs> or just warn us. So we know that you're sleeping. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, so how long did it take to work through that? Like, oh. I just, I can't even imagine that level of um, stress from coming out and dream. I mean, I had uh, my youngest was he sleepwalk. We find him everywhere. We actually have to go on a hunt some nights to try and find him. Seriously. Like, and I mean, in places you're like, what? where else can we look now? He's in the house, but I can't find him. But, and then he would have like, holy night terrors, like holy kind of that he, and just because he would sleepwalk, he would, he was just completely out of context. So it's, it was a very, like, even just seeing that was a very traumatic thing to see, but yes, I can't, how long did it take you to work through some of those feelings and how your body was responding to the stress? 
So the dreams um, was about seven months, wow. roughly. So it, it is in it, but also because I, it's just my personality type too, that if I'm goal oriented and I want to fix this, I'm going to do absolutely everything to do what is necessary to get this done. So I think seven months is short for some people. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's... And I think like even now when COVID happened, I had to be very cognizant of some triggers that came back to me. And I think that is important to note too. That really what triggers can I ask you as soon as oh yeah. For sure, for sure. Um so and that's another thing, and why I mentioned that it happens to you, and this is how your body reacts, and you will likely, and that is why it is a disorder, you know, not to like put a stigma around it, but you'll have it forever. There's no way that you can not have the triggers because you will have it. It happened to you. Just own it, just you know, get it out there. So for me, um, I started locking the house like kind of obsessively. And I was like, oh, this is strange. Why am I like, and you know, you- before I go to bed, see what's up, see who's there, see see who's in my street, like doing that whole like, wow. okay. Yeah. yeah. And not, and did you notice it right away or was it just something you said, you, all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Yeah, no, I didn't notice it right away because it's been so long Mm -hmm. since I've dealt with it because I pretty much dealt with it right when I came to Canada. So this was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there has been moments in my life where it has come back, but I was able to really recognize it really fast. But for this COVID one, I was like, whoa, three days later, I'm still like pacing the house, seeing what lights are on, seeing where, you know, the knives are. (laughs) And that's that hypervigilance that kicks in because because you're in that fight or flight mode and you're, is this going to be life or death? Right. Right. And that's, and did you find then you just, as soon as you're aware of it, you were able to create some change around that? Absolutely. And then I wrote it down because um, the business being journaling, and I know you love that too. (laughs) It, it just brings it into perspective. And sometimes I would just write down what is going on? <laughs> and then I look at it and then I just start writing and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. That's how you get to it. So, you know, and then I can look at it and read it back to myself. So that's a really good constant reminder of, you know, just be aware, just be mindful of where your mind is going, not to be scared of it, not to think that all of a sudden is going to go take you back to that intense times, mm-hmm. but just to be aware that this is likely why you are, you know, or what is happening to you. Mm-hmm. You, um, I, so you segue into this, obviously journaling is something that you're super passionate about is something we've discussed. And this is a tool that has worked for you in order to, um, deal with the stress that you have. Why do you think journaling works? Why do you think it, why do you think it works the way that it does? I think it's, an extension of yourself, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not an external thing. Whereas I think that, you know, if you're, if you're looking to find the answers, it's easier to go outside sometimes and find, mm-hmm. you know, it externally, whereas journaling, it really comes from you. So you are reconnecting to that part of yourself that you might've buried, that you might've felt ashamed of. So if you can really openly journal, you're really giving the answers to yourself. And that's why it's so powerful because it's you talking to you. <laughs> I love that. I love exactly what you just said there. Um, you just, you are giving the answers to yourself. I think that 
And I, I mean, I've spoken many times on this podcast, how I love journaling and I make time for it. It's, it is funny. It's the one habit that when I get busy that I tend to let go of. So, which is always, then it's always the habit that I need the most. So why we do that to ourselves? I have no idea, but we do. I'm just being completely real and raw here. I do. Totally true. Like exercise, right? Like when we, like, we know the things that make us feel good or feel better, like they're healthy and we tend to then they go by the wayside. Now journaling for me, I love what you said there is the fact that like when I was in my, when I was in my real crisis state, I, everybody, I was so, okay. So everybody's saying, listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube videos. And I did. I like to give the visual that if you're pouring positive on top, it's, it, it's kind of a surface. It helps a little bit in the surface, but if you're actually not clearing and making space and creating room and getting rid of the things that don't serve you, then your positive is just going to kind of wash off. Does that make sense? It's just, that's how my brain would, would take the analogy of journaling. Journaling was my space to get out whatever was in my head. And it wasn't until I started to do it that I realized that, you know, I always say that the thoughts that are in our head are most of the time are toxic, to be honest. We are not very nice human beings to ourselves. We can be, we can be quite negative. Throw trauma, difficulty, challenges in, and that only exacerbates it. So I would always say that as soon as I start to feel that way, I would journal it. And if I write it down without even any, like no judgment, no nothing, just you have to allow it to dump, to come out then the words lose their power. Because as soon as you look at them on the page, I would look at it and go, oh, I should know it. Like, you would never let anyone talk to you this way. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? You could see it. So I, I believe there's a huge power in journaling. And I completely, I completely agree. But I love what you're just saying there is that you're giving yourself permission for those answers. Like those answers come from within. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a valid point to say like, there's a combination, right? Cause you don't want to pour on top. So if you are really struggling with something in like trauma or PTSD or whatever it is that you're dealing with, right. There has to be sort of a hand holding part as well. And I found like my, my psych psychologist. I always want to say psychiatrist because I'm working with one of, but my psychologist was the one who helped me like take it all off and take the layers off. It wasn't like a quick fix. It's, you know, and then you can fill it with, you know, good positive things because it goes to the foundation. It goes to from where you're building. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find like when people, because you're asking about the journaling, they could find it overwhelming because they don't know where to start. Right. So that guide just helping you sort of pick the pieces apart is really what we did in our journaling through is to help you through it because it's overwhelming. And I think that is why originally when I had the these nightmares and I thought I was legitimately paranoid, like somebody can make a movie and put me in the loony bin. Like but it's, it but it's real. And I just, again, going back to the fact that on the cellular level, that's how your body responded. It's real. Like it's real. Oh, it's very real. Wow. <laughs> but then to say it's too overwhelming. And then if somebody at that point told me, oh, you should just write about it. I'm like, I can't write about this. Like, this is not ha- like what we're, I'm paranoid. So I think there's like that, that balance of help from the outside. It has to be 
you know, really digging deep, mm-hmm. superficial things do not work. It's like fad diets. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not so true. I love how you explain that because that's exactly how I felt is that, okay, I'm trying to do all these positive things, but nothing's sticking. It's like, you know, it's, I, and then I actually, I think I had a um, psychologist give me, uh, I have, I still use this to this day, the analogy that if you take a sponge that is completely rock hard and you throw it into a bucket, when you pull it out, all the water comes out. You need to put it back in and take it back out and put it back in and take it back out. And it, it could be the 10th try before it starts to hold water. And I'm like, oh, I get that. That makes sense to me, right? You have to create space for that to come in. So this is really what you do. Can you tell us even a little bit more about journaling through and what you do with your business? Absolutely. And and just quick, because I know yeah. you and I have so many ideas, but I think it's important for people to also know where you are mentally. Because if I look back now, I'm like, why didn't I just do something, you know, So like you said, that sponge, it needs that time as well. And I think time is such an important part of this. Where you were like last month is not where you're going to be. So really you need to give yourself that time and that space Mm -hmm. as well. So our journals, and it's all digitally available now, is we take one life altering event. So whether it be loss and grief, cancer, you know, infertility, even if you're a support to cancer. So if you have friends or family who, you know, are supporting a person with cancer and divorce. So we have these journals and they are about 12 chapters long, 12 to 15 chapters long. And each of them have specific guided prompts. So for example, the breast cancer one, the third chapter is writing your own eulogy. I mean, you have been diagnosed with a terminal illness this is you're facing your mortality. So that is that biggest part of fear and uncertainty. So once you remove that, you can deal with the other things much more easily. So that is how we structured these journals. It's not superficial. (laughs) It's not write a couple of things down and feel better. (laughs) This is really therapeutically working through it. And it's been approved by the psychiatrists and the psychologists that use it in their practices. So it's sound kind of, you know, science principles. It's not just frou-frou or anything. Well, no, I'm just, you, again, you can't see our faces on Zoom, but I'm looking at it going, this is not a journal prompt of, I am grateful for today. This is not like, this is like, let's dig in and help you work through this. That's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. And what we found in the marketplace is that, and and I will never bash any type of journaling. I think anything that you do is, you know, good for you, even if it's good to find it doesn't work for you. I mean, there's a message there too, right? Like you said, but I think because I had to work so intensely sort of through my own process and I know it works. I'm like, because it's not going to work if you just shrug it off or think you will deal with it later. It affects every single part of your interactions. So unless you take, in Marsha's words, your ownership of that, and this is really helping you do that in a very practical, but also a very kind way. It's not harsh. It's not, you know, judgmental or resentful or, you know, it's really helping you. It's opening that conversation to yourself. 
And to thoughts that you probably already having, can I just right. like, it's there, the thoughts are there. Sometimes you have to bring them to the forefront in order to work through them. And I know I can say that from when we were in our real heated points of our life with dealing, one of the fears was always that we would lose our kids. And I remember uh, these um, psychologists saying, so what does that look like? write that down, go through it, like, look at what could you do? What would you do differently? And so we faced it. Like, I remember facing it in a sense that it's, it's hard to explain to anybody who has been in that space, but we had to face what that would feel like. And I remember writing about that. I do vividly remember that. So it's, that's an interesting way of, um, taking someone through the trauma to be able to understand what to do with it. So your journals are really meant to, help facilitate people during difficult times? Or is that one part of your your journals? So it is one part and that is the bulk of it because that is really where the expertise lie. And I should say, it's funny that you said, you know, you had to write through it and with that, you know, you were face to face. So for me, my final turning point was when I had a dream and I faced the fear person Mm -hmm. as a person. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it didn't end well for them, but it ended well for me. <laughs> so. Did you have any other dreams after that? Can I ask? Was that your last dream? Good. That was Good. the last one. Good. That it's was good. the last one. So it came full circle, but but it's that like literal, you have to face it. You have to face it. So in terms of our journals, we have uh, a new one out that's an alignment journal. So it's more based on yoga principles and based on, you know, how you build yourself as an aligned person using some of the masculine and some of the feminine energies mm-hmm. to really find balance and what your motivations are for life. So it's more for everybody, but it is also very substantial. It's not a, you know, a little writing prompt. You really have to create that space, create that time. And then we have more fun journaling prompts that are just creative. Just if you wanted to do a five minute every day, you can just jot them down there. They're also substantial but they're not as intense and they don't have a start and a finish point. It's just once off and then you can just do a free one too. That's just your own. So, wow, this is, so you've taken what worked for you and you then built a business out of this, which I think I, you know, I love that. That's like essentially what I do. I love that. (laughs) Good for you. Like good for you. You took a practical thing that worked for you and you built a business from it to help others. It's beautiful. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much. And thank you for letting me share that. (laughs) That's always nice. I always, you know, think one person is going to hear it and it's going to make a difference in their lives, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you see this going? What would you like to do with this business? How far would you like to reach? (laughs) I would like for it to be a part of sort of mandatory counseling services that journaling is part of just how they help people. And I think that that is where we are moving from what I've seen and what I've read is that we're moving more towards a holistic approach to healing. It is marrying that Eastern and Western in all healthcare fields. So that is really what would be the ultimate goal here is to get it maybe accredited, something like that, where they can use the programs because we're already using it with individual psychologists and psychiatry offices, but maybe make it more of like a, an umbrella where people can use it as sort of their 
or as part of their standard way. Because the other thing is what I found is that uh, some of my friends are psychologists and they're burnt out. So from a human perspective, there's not going to be enough people to help everybody at this point in time because we are dealing with a lot of emotional health issues. And I can foresee it being exponential when this crisis is done or when we get the second wave. So in order for people to start helping themselves, if you're waiting for someone, if you're waiting for the counselor, you know, this is a great way to start your own healing process. Mm -hmm. And then you can take your journal with when you have a counseling session and it might cut down on the counseling sessions. You know, the psychologist would be happy because you've taken some responsibility for this. You're not leaving it to them just to help you out. It's a very introspective way to um, start to take responsibility to create change for yourself. Yes, you definitely, the professionals are, are great. And I'm, I was another one. I, I mean, it literally took me four or five different people to find someone to work with. And it was because I, this is just me. This hopefully has comes across. Okay. This is just me. Is that I wanted to, I wanted to know what to do with my feelings. I didn't want to talk about the situation in a sense of replaying it. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Everything I was finding was like, let's sit down and talk about every single thing that happened and replay it. I'm like, I already did that last week. Like I need to do something with this. I'm just a doer. I had like, and so I found it very challenging to find solutions um, in dealing with some of those emotions. And I don't know the numbers again, but I know that they're talking about exponentially how big of an issue this is going to be as for mental health as we start to move through this. And you know what? We we do talk more about mental health, and I'm very grateful for some of the athletes and celebrities and people who do have brought like Bell, let's talk to the forefront, like they're doing things. It still comes down to it's. It still has a stigma. Of course, it dies, and it is. It is something that is is it can be a challenge for some people. So I'm grateful we're having this conversation. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And I think how I mentioned originally that PTSD is not the same as trauma. I think there's also generally. Um, a misunderstanding of what mental health and what mental illness is. Mm. So I think once people are more educated to say, everybody has mental health. If you have a physical body, if you have a brain, you have mental health. Congratulations. Woohoo, we all have it. Mental oh, illness on the I'm other sorry. hand. I just need to stop. Could you just repeat that? Like that is just, there's, there's, we're done. Like that's literally like we're done. You just, that was such a powerful thing to say. Honest to God. So good. So good. Thank you. So, you know, mental illness is something different. That is when you need intervention. You might need prescription medication, cognitive behavioral therapy. You need all these things, right? And that's why I say, even for me, even though I have complex PTSD, I know that it is considered a disorder, but it's not defining me. I don't see it as like, you know, this and not everybody's going to have it. So please don't think that you're going to have it. <laughs> like, but no. everybody has mental health. You do. You have it. You have it. So well, take care of it. <laughs> I love this. I absolutely love this conversation. And I, we talk a lot about self-care in here. And we talk a lot about that on this, on this podcast. And I do it with my own, with my own coaching, with everything we do. The thing is, is that it, when I'm off and I could be going through some very down days, I guarantee you it is always when my self-care is off. 
It's, I, it's whatever, whatever I need for self-care is different from what everyone else needs. So I think it's really important that we take a look at what do we need. And in some ways, this time, I'm sure not everybody's going to agree, but in some ways, this time with COVID, it is giving us space to figure out what do we need to do in our lives for self-care. Like what is helping us to feel better? What else could we be doing? Absolutely. And and sort of to come back to yourself, to know. And I think it's so empowering to know if you can say, oh, I have mental health. Well, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. How can I take care of this? How can I take ownership? How can I really be, you know, aligned and know when things are off? And that's why I think, you know, if you put a lot of effort into it, the moment you have a trigger, you're going to know sort of within a couple of days, oh, okay, something's off. Like you just said, you know, oh, oh my self-care is not where it should be. Think and of yourself as a holistic it. being. <laughs> Why not? It's awesome. Right? Who is that on? Who is who is that on if my self-care game is not on? It's not me. It's not me because I'm not putting, I'm not scheduling it in. I just laughed when you said that because we'll have moments when my husband and I be like at each other's, you know, just in the kitchen. And he'll be like, could you just go get your workout on? Like, could you just go get here? And I'm like, yep. Or he'll be like, oh, watch out, everyone. She's having a day. And it's true. I hey, I can laugh at myself. It's all good. But when I, I've said for years, the reason I exercise has nothing to do with weight. I have nothing to do with weight for me. For me, I handle stress better. It's great for my mental health and I sleep better. That is literally my top three things. So when I don't feel like doing something, I remind myself that those are the three things that it helps me that when I do that, it helps me do everything else better than. Absolutely. And our pushback is where we grow, right? Uh-huh. Like. That's just that grow a lot. <laughs> like I should have stuck with the five pound weights. I did not want to grow 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen us in our driveway. I think we scare our neighbors. We have both have our barbells going. We're doing stuff and it's, it's quite funny actually, but we love it. It's all good. We have to do what we have to do, right? We're in COVID. Like we're in isolation. This is like, we've never been here before. So this is, we're all doing the best that we can. Oh, I love everything that you are sharing and that you're doing. And so your journals are all online. They are. They are all online now, except for journaling through pregnancy, which people can still get in a hard copy. Mm-hmm. And that one is co-written with, uh, um, she is a community project manager, community research project manager in BC. She works um, under the First Nations and she's working with addiction. So it is a very, you know, she she comes with some amazing insights and the mother self-care, like that's where it starts, right? And the more you take care of yourself, very similar to if you take care of yourself now, post-COVID, you're going to be better off. So the same as pregnancy. If you can take care of yourself in pregnancy, you know, parenting will be, you know, a little bit more relaxed and calm because you've already dealt with a lot of the fears and anxieties ahead of time. So, wow. So online, you also do workshops, which not right now, but is, I see, right. Do you do workshops and speaking as well? yourself? I do. I do. Thank you. Yes. So I do workshops and we will have some virtual ones, but at this point, you know, we're just doing the, the YouTube videos for everybody to just know where the resources are at. So we should talk to everyone about the YouTube videos and where they can find them and what you jumped into and in COVID, like, look at your face. You You guys can see your face. I'm laughing because I know I was a guest on one of our interviews and I said something about 
well, when are you doing your next one? And she said, oh, I do them every day. And I'm like, every day? Like, you're doing interviews every day. Like, some people during COVID literally jumped and dove in and did, and you were one of those people. You're 100% one of those people. So tell us about what you did during that time. Oh, thank you, Marsha. And right back at you, the compliment when I was like, Marsha, do you want to be on? You're like, yes. I was like, yes, <laughs> let's do this. So you're also a, a jumper inner. Thank you. I am a jumper inner. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Thank uh, so I was actually on an interview with a lady from Colorado. She is fantastic. She has her own social media business. So she wanted to know a little bit about how we can navigate this thing. And that actually sparked the idea that I was like, you know what? I have a network of people who could really share their expertise and their stories on how they have navigated things in the past and some advice and tips and practical things. Because I'm all about the practical application of theory. Because otherwise, what's the point, right? <laughs> so, so I reached out to my network, got an amazing response. And yes, so the series is completed. It is on YouTube. People can go watch it. It has everything from perspective with Marsha to dreams, COVID dreams, how people with cancer have navigated these life-altering circumstances. There's films on there. There's like a whole plethora of things. So, how many did you do? 17. 17 in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, In two weeks. Wow. Yeah. So there's lots of, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's a lot. I mean, I command you is, I think it's great because you put so much good information out there and that's the thing, right? Is, is that we want to put that information out there. So people have resources that they can pull things from and they will choose what to do with that and how they are. But if you put that out there, somebody at the right time might come across and see a video, they might be dealing with cancer and all of a sudden it's like they found that connection. So I think that that's, I think that that's great that you did that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, um, there's so many lessons we can learn from people's stories. And just because cancer obviously is a premium journal as well, but I felt like they've had um, immune things where they had to be really careful of what they're doing, where they go, who they see. So if you wanted to get an expert advice on how to keep yourself safe, I was thinking, you know, they would be the perfect, you know, sort of character for how they can help us. So that was really the aim, like you said, and I didn't want anybody to feel alone and that they felt like there was nobody else feeling the way they were feeling. Mm -hmm. And I found that that is really what resonated with people in the series as well. There was something for everyone. Yeah, I I love that. I think that that's really the whole premise of everything that I love to share here is that there's so many lessons from our stories. And if we can help each other to see that we're not alone, then that, like, that's perfect. That's just perfect. So where can people find you, connect with you, or follow you? Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for all this promo. They can find me on the website. (laughs) It gives a chance to share what you do. (laughs) So we have a website, journalingthroughlife.com, and they can find everything from there. Instagram as well, journaling underscore through. Same with Facebook. We're very, very active on Pinterest too. Pinterest loves us. So that's great. Yeah, and I and I have friends who are like, "Why are you not on there?" And I'm like, "I put my recipes on there," and they're like, "No, you have to do it." I need, you know, what I need to clone myself. But anyways, keep going. Sorry. No worries. I feel the same way. So I don't have Twitter for that reason because Twitter is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> like, just 
Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and then obviously the YouTube series. And we are still adding content. It's not every day anymore, but we are, you know, still in contact with some of the people. So we'll be continuing to do some, some things on YouTube. That's awesome. Um, this has been, I've loved having you. This has been a great conversation. I'm sure that we've gone a little bit all over the place, which is all part of the story. So it's all good. I know there's great content in here. Sorry, we just had a great conversation. So I want to know, I know, I would love to ask you, what impact do you want to make in this world? I was thinking about that the other day, actually. And because I love mafia movies, all of their impacts are always like empire, right? Like what legacy do you leave? So it's not even about the money or the, but it's like that, what do you leave behind, right? I'm dying laughing right now because I'm just like, we went from this soft topic of impact to mafia movies. Right? <laughs> That's how my mind thinks, point, 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 point. But I think that the impact that I want to leave on this world is honestly for my children, if they can have a life that is empowered and that they do not have to have all of the physical struggles that I've had. And even if they do, that they can have more resources available to them internally, Mm -hmm. that they can know that, you know, sort of just a better, better life. It sounds terrible, but you know, I mean, we, we immigrated to Canada for that reason is to, to leave the world a better place for them, just for, from my own personal perspective, my two children, just to have, you know, a really good life with not as many absolute psychological <laughs> traumas as mine. Well, you are doing something with them, with with your experiences that you've come through. And I mean, that will continue to pay it forward in so many beautiful ways. So I thank you for doing that. I have loved every part of this conversation. And I thank you so much for being open and honest and sharing with everybody because there's, it's the whole power of our stories. The lessons that we learn in our stories are just so powerful. And there came a point, there always say there always comes a point where I feel like the lessons are not ours anymore. Like we're actually supposed to do something with them. They're not, they're mine. They, they, I'm done. Like I, I move through them. So they're not mine. They're like mine to share. If that makes sense. Oh, I just love that. I love that. And I think that is, that is so true to the empire that I want to leave too, is to say, you know, learn from my experiences, you know, you're not alone. You don't have to suffer this alone. And that goes for everybody, right? Lessons and be okay. (laughs) Absolutely. I have one final question for you. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? These are some deep questions. I love deep questions. And I love putting people on the spot. That is me. Yes. The lesson for myself is to know that it doesn't matter what happens. I I will survive it. That's awesome. That's just beautiful, right? It doesn't matter. I will survive it. Yeah. Yeah. What you've come through already is just so powerful. So I think that is just a, that is just a really powerful way to look at it. Is that I will survive. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Christine. Honestly, and for sharing so openly, and for bringing your sense of humor because it it goes, it just really helps to connect. We're doing podcasting. I love it. This will be a great episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. 
Oh, Marcia, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for creating this platform. It, it is amazing. It really is amazing. Thank you. It's grown in so many different ways. And you know, you think when you start something, you're like, is there anybody who's going to listen? Is there anybody who's going to, you know, what is it? And all of a sudden you're getting messages and messages. And I just love it. I'm so grateful that I, that I started it back then. So I'm just grateful to have you here today. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.